0: Hello everyone, thanks for joining us again. It's Matt Bushby, RARE's Head of Global Distribution here. I'm joined by Shane Hurst, Senior Portfolio Manager. Today is the 30th of March in Sydney. The data in this podcast is as at Friday the 27th of March and everything will be in local currency terms. Shane, last week, you know, it was interesting. We saw governments around the world further implementing restrictions on people uh, moving and, and socialising together in an effort to stop the spread of COVID-19. That was balanced somewhat by increasingly large stimulus or support packages out of governments. The last few weeks, we saw sort of indiscriminate selling. Last week was actually up, you know, equity markets and the infrastructure indices were up somewhere between kind of 7 and 9%, depending on which ones we're looking at. Shane, what drove the market higher last week?
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, There are are a couple of reasons the market rallied, uh, technical and fundamental. From a technical perspective, there was a lot of pension fund rebalancing. So you've seen uh, equities underperformed bonds, some 40% in the US and 30% in Europe. So the pension funds obviously need to come in and rebalance their equity exposure higher. Hedge funds closed out a lot of their shorts, which created somewhat of a, scree- a squeeze. And then retail investors selling started to slow. From a fundamental perspective, obviously, the moves last week involved both fiscal stimulus, uh, which, as you mentioned, in the in the US, about 9% of GDP, almost 10% of GDP, two trillion dollars was actioned by the U.S. government. The G20 is talking about injecting over five trillion U.S. dollars. And then, of course, monetary policy continued to be easy with both the easy the ECB and the Fed, indicating they'll effectively do whatever it takes to provide liquidity to the market.
0: In our view, has the market bottomed or have we got uh, further to go?
1: With over 700,000 detected cases uh, and, and almost 30,000 deaths, and most major economies in lockdown, it is really hard to, to say we're at a bottom uh, as countries struggle, obviously, to contain the virus. Until we get hope of a vaccine or some type of moderating of growth of the virus, there is too much un- uncertainty to call a bottom, even with the huge amount of stimulus that's been put in place uh, over the last month. I would say, though, in that type of environment, essential service utilities tend to have the very minimal impact due to their strong and dependable cash flows.
0: Just picking up on that point, turning back to infrastructure specifically, did we see any differentiation amongst the sectors last week?
1: Yeah, look, that is a good question. Well, ultimately, if you assume the virus is transitory rather than structural, there'll be minimal value destruction over a cycle. Short term, there obviously is some differentiation. Just as a reminder, Matt, about 65% of the value strategy is in utilities and 85% of the income strategy is in utilities. So what we've seen in particular from comments out of the US and European utilities is that they would expect minimal short-term impact to earnings. So the numbers I've seen and, and the numbers we've calculated internally uh, show probably only a two to seven percent impact on EPS total in the short term. Even though longer term it's transitory and there's very little value destruction. You look at it from an infrastructure perspective, and certainly those those infrastructure. Assets are leveraged to GDP and pipelines that may have exposure to counterparty risk. Obviously, this is a, a, a much longer grind with the recovery of airport traffic, the recovery of road traffic, really dependent on when business as usual comes back. And, you know, certainly from an oil price and a, and a pipeline perspective, you know, really it's, it's understanding the counterparty risk that a lot of our pipelines are exposed to. And we've done a lot of that work.
0: Interesting point there on some of the utilities that have actually come to market and Mm. tried to quantify the impacts of COVID-19 on their business. As you just said, low to mid single digit impacts on EPS, yet the the share prices of some of these names were down sort of 15 to 20 percent, sometimes even more. Mm. What actions have we taken as a result in the portfolios?
1: Yeah, look, totally agree with you. In In terms of the impact and the mark-to-market of these assets, it's been overdone, and that's just really been a function of, of short-term need for capital, nothing to do with the underlying assets themselves. In terms of portfolio actions in particular, we've been high-grading our portfolio, Matt, taking the opportunity to increase exposure to beaten up high-quality utilities globally, thematics that we think are favourable going forward over the medium to longer term, such as renewables, sustainable sustainably uh, driven utility businesses, as well as taking exposure to US tower companies, which have very strong underlying thematics, but unfortunately um, had been rather fully priced in terms of the portfolio. In terms of what we've reduced, we've reduced North American pipelines, and we have been doing that over the last year to year and a half. Infrastructure names too, in particular those where we don't think the market has fully captured the downside risk and North American Rails is one example of that, we have been reducing our exposure in the value strategy.
0: As we've been reducing some of those exposures, you know, are we continually recycling and sort of trying to be 100% invested? What have we done with the proceeds?
1: For the most part, uh, we have been uh, reinvesting and high grading our, port- our portfolio. That being said, um, the value strategy has increased its cash level um, up, up, up towards a um, you know high single digit um, type number, uh, and and the income strategy itself has also been increasing its cash ex- cash exposure. Um, again, just to put it in context, uh, going into the end of last year, both portfolios were defensively positioned um, as we moved towards the end of the cycle. So we had a high utility exposure in both of them.
0: What signals are we watching for? Uh, in order to make sort of more of a rotation back into some of those cyclical names.
1: There are a number of things that we are watching. Firstly, how quickly impacted countries will come back to work and then how sustainable coming back to work is, uh, whether it's affected by further lockdowns. Really the true impact to employment and economic growth and how long that kind of bottom part of the U-shaped recovery lasts for. That's a key especially for investing in infrastructure stocks, how governments and central banks continue to respond to this crisis, whether there is some political noise, you know, especially in places like the US as we approach the US election. And look, whether there is any structural change in consumer behaviour, certainly if you look at airports, there is risk around businesses seeing their staff travelling again, um, obviously risk around whether the virus will impede that travel. And so whether whether or not that means more business is done virtually rather than actually face-to-face.
0: Thanks, Shane. Last week, we talked about some of the work that we've been doing on companies in terms of you know, balance sheet strength, liquidity profiles, funding needs coming up. What additional work has the team been focused on this week?
1: In addition to the liquidity work uh, and, and looking at balance sheets, uh, we continue to assess the strength of dividends, the coverage, the growth of dividends, and our company's ability to pay those underlying dividends to investors.
0: Thanks, Shane. We at Rare recently updated our valuation pack, which we, we do do in the normal course of events every quarter. We did a a mini sort of intra-quarter update uh, just last week. It is available from your local sales representative if anyone listening to this podcast would like a copy. Um, The recent sell-off to the beginning of last week before some of the recovery had seen utility multiples back to levels last seen in the 2011 Euro sovereign crisis. Um, Lasted for about six months then. Um, And we had to go back all the way to 2010 to see them at these levels for a prolonged period of time. Um, any comments on, on that?
1: As I mentioned, um, at the start of, of any type of correction, uh, the beta in the market increases. And then what you tend to see is the high quality cash flow businesses, which have minimal impact, rebound fastest. And then obviously, the more challenged ones uh, take longer to rebound. As a result of that, whilst you did see a, a knee jerk reaction with a lot of infrastructure utility performance uh, over the last two to three weeks, you've actually seen a very strong rebound, as you pointed out last last week, which has actually seen multiples come back up again. We expect them to normalize. The view, obviously, is if there is a minimal impact short term and, and low to none longer term, then these things should be trading where they previously were. Uh, from an infrastructure perspective in terms of multiples, really it is more complicated. You need to understand the normalisation of health and well-being across the globe, you know, the, the growth of the virus, the ability to get a vaccine and really overlaying all of that is the ability as a second or third derivative for travel. So how quickly will people get back on the roads? How quickly will people fly again? Once we get a, a greater grip of that, you will see multiples start to move back up. Uh, but until we get to that point, it is difficult to see infrastructure multiples normalising.
0: Last week, uh, here locally in Australia, we saw uh, a number of unlisted investors revalue their portfolios down uh, out of cycle by you know, somewhere in the order of kind of 6 to 8%. Listed markets are down you know, many times that. Um, what would you say to that difference?
1: That is, that is an interesting uh, question. Look, the thing about listed markets is, is their mark-to-market on a daily basis. And there's many, many people playing into that valuation, whether it be dedicated investors like ourselves, whether it be generalists, whether it be passive investors um, there are, or retail investors. There are different people who are actually pricing that. So it's got it's, a lot of people looking, looking over the underlying assets. And obviously, there is some beta or market movement in that. From an unlisted perspective, it is somewhat less transparent. So look, I, I think in the end... The assets are the same, if not better, in listed uh, vehicles versus unlisted vehicles. Some of the best utilities around the world are actually listed. So over time, um, as we've seen in the past, you will see that that valuation gap close. And there's, no, there's absolutely no reason why you'd see listed trading it in any large structural difference to unlisted assets. I think what you've continued to see and what we've continued to see in markets are unlisted funds looking for good bargains in listed markets. And I really don't see that going away anytime soon, especially considering how much money is sitting on the sideline waiting to be invested.
0: Thanks very much, Shane. Thanks, everyone, for giving us your time again to listen to The Rare Team, this latest podcast. Just to wrap up, some key points. Markets obviously were up last week. We think it's too early to call a bottom. We need to see some more data, obviously, on the pace of continuation of infections with this disease, potential vaccines, and people obviously getting back to work. As a result, we maintain our defensive bias in both the value and the income portfolios, holding slightly more cash at the moment. We think we'll have time to deploy that into the future. And really what we're seeing is some very attractively priced companies where we can rotate into high quality companies at very, very attractive prices and position the portfolios for attractive opportunities into the future. Thanks very much. And we'll speak to you next week.